Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. <laughs> This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Welcome back to another brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated Skylar Callahan. And uh, Skylar, we 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 skipped a day because um, you were traveling. You were up in New York uh, covering uh, Panthers versus Giants for SI. Uh, needed an extra day for travel. So for those who were looking for this podcast yesterday, uh, this is why it's coming out today. Uh, plus, we decided that we probably needed an extra day <laughs> for, for everything that's been going on uh, around the Panthers. Uh, 25 to three losers to the New York Giants. This this one was actually probably the one that broke the camel's back. We'll get into a little bit of everything uh, that happened on Sunday, as well as uh, there's a lot of stuff swirling around the Panthers right now in terms of personnel, uh, the potential to potentially land uh, Deshaun Watson out of Houston, what that means, ramifications for that. If that actually goes down, we'll walk you through all of that. And then the Panthers actually have a football game Sunday. They're playing the Atlanta Falcons, uh, the battle for the basement of the NFC South. So we'll see uh, if there's anything that can be done to fix this problem uh, that the Panthers are having right now amongst the team. Before we get into all that, though, a quick word from our sponsors at Bet Online. They are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device right now to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our, pro- our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game begins. Uh, 25 to 3 here uh, on Sunday. Panthers dropped to 3 and 4 on the season, 1 and 2 away from Bank of America Stadium. Uh, I'll just get right to it, Skylar. You were there, you were uh, at the Meadowlands. What was the initial feel <laughs> reporting on this team on Sunday? Uh, Sam Darnold turns in a, a stinker, 16 for 25 for 111 yards and an interception. He was sacked three times, uh, quarterback rating of 10.7. Um, your initial thoughts on what you witnessed uh, up in the Meadowlands? I, you know, honestly, Desmond, I, it's been sitting for a couple of days now, and I honestly still don't know what I what I witnessed. I, mm. I mean, it was it was that. Bad. And when we talked about last week's game against Minnesota, I mean, it, 
it felt like it couldn't have got worse, right? Like yeah. that, that game against the Vikings until like the, the final five minutes in, in overtime, it felt like, okay, they've got to go up from here because the, they pretty much hit rock bottom. But they found a little room under rock bottom yeah. <laughs> on Sunday. But it was just it was just bad all the way around. You know, Offensively, they just couldn't get the ball moving. They couldn't protect. Sam Darnold was inaccurate with the ball all day long. You know, 16 for 25. You know, that doesn't sound bad, but when you look at some of the the throws that he missed, I mean, my gosh, the the interception, he had two guys in the virtually the same area that he could have hit either one and he overthrew both of them. Yeah, I was like, who's he throwing to? Like he, it felt like he was throwing directly to James Bradbury. It, it's just weird. Yeah, I, I have no idea where that ball was going. He completely missed Colin Thompson on a third and two with, who was wide open. He missed a bunch of wide open throws. 16 to 25, a lot of a lot of teams will take that from their quarterback. But when that 16 of 25 was what it was, it, it's not really going to be much help to your offense. So um, I, I, we were walking to the uh, the post game press conference, uh, Joe Person and I, and he said that it was it was very Jimmy Clausen like mm. kind of feeling. And and I mean I can't really disagree with him. I mean it it has it has it, it has gone from. Sam Darnold seems to, you know, have found himself a, a home here in, in Charlotte and feels like he's finally got some help around him to is he going to be the quarterback come next Sunday? <laughs> you know, that that's that's kind of where we sit right now. And and like you said, you know, with all the all the trade rumors and all that stuff going around, you kind of forget they play this Sunday against Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's exactly the way I felt the past two days. I kind of forgot we have a game coming up versus Atlanta and that we still have over, you know, half the season to go. But it it felt like it, it got to a certain point in that game where it started to feel like a preseason game. And, and yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Like the like I couldn't get into it because of the way the Panthers were playing uh, there. I mean, there weren't any bright spots. Chuba Hubbard rushed for 28 yards on 12 carries. Uh most they, of it was on the first drive. Well, most was on the first drive. I thought I saw something along the lines that um, after calling, like, I think it was like six or seven run plays in that first drive, uh, Joe Brady called, like, a handful the rest of the game, like three or four or something like that. So all that talk about, you know, we're going to run the ball more, this, that, and the third, it just never happened. And you would think it should have happened because Darnold was off from the very beginning. He's doing this thing where he holds the ball incredibly long, uh, most people remember Cam Newton held the ball for a very long time, but that was a lot of times because of whoever the offensive coordinator was at the time were, were drawing these really long routes with like one or two options on them. And, and Cam basically had to wait for the route to develop before he could throw the ball, but he could get away from defenders. Sam, it seems like Sam, that's not the problem with him. He, he, he looks real skittish back there all of a sudden. And I keep hearing people saying, well, if he had a better O-line, he wouldn't be that skittish. I don't know. I don't know if that's it. It's almost like he's just not seeing basic things. Like I'm, I'm screaming from my couch to dump it off to that that running back that's right there, wide open on my screen, and he's trying to force it down the field to someone that's in like triple coverage or or some place that doesn't make any sense, or there's no one there <laughs> where he throws the ball. And I, I I don't understand what's happened over the past month. Like, what do you, what do you think's happened to Sam Darnold? Like, why is this? happening against these teams this is supposed to be the easy part of our schedule and he has just collapsed like i don't know if i've ever seen anything like this before no i mean it, it honestly i feel like it's a bit of deja vu for him because you know 
when he came to Carolina, all the talk was, okay, now he's got all the weapons. He's got, you know, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Well, yes, Sam has struggled, but you got to think, you know, Christian McCaffrey's been out, you know, for for a few weeks now. Robbie Anderson has not been the same Robbie Anderson from a year ago. So, really, the only key guy that he has is DJ Moore. So, you could almost kind of compare it essentially to what he had in New York. And the offensive line is probably just as bad as the one he had in New York. And now that he's starting to feel that pressure, he's starting to fold. And I think that's that's the telling sign for me in a quarterback that if your quarterback can't overcome adversity, can't overcome pressure, can't overcome a couple of injuries, and just all of a sudden looks like a completely different version of himself, then he's probably not going to be your long-term answer. And – I know on the safety, at least I believe it was the safety, where Sam just threw the ball into the ground and had and Royce Freeman got trucked. But I mean, he he has to get beyond. But my belief is my belief is he has to get beyond uh, the line of scrimmage for him to be deemed eligible. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how that works. I could be wrong on that. But if you go back and watch that play, I think it was Tommy Tremble who went on like a little quick out out route to the flat. Dude was wide open. Never looked his way. It, it, all, all, he, all he has to do is look to the left, throw it to Tommy, and might be only three or four yards, won't get the first down, but it avoids the safety you're punting the ball. Right. And he's he just – he's got to have better awareness. And I know when the offensive line is struggling, he's got to make some rush decisions, but they're not very smart rush decisions. I mean, we see guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and – you know, Kyler Murray run for their life sometimes, but they make good decisions while being rushed. I mean, you have to have that ability as a quarterback. I'm not seeing that from Sam Darnold. You're seeing him throw off the back foot a lot, like what Matt Rule said on uh, Sunday after the game. And he just – he doesn't look like he has the same confidence. As soon as pressure starts to collapse into that pocket, it's like he takes his eyes off off the receivers downfield and looks at where the, the, the defenders are up front. He's got to mm-hmm. keep his eyes downfield. Yeah, that's a good point. And I feel that same way too. Sam's entering this dangerous territory where I'm afraid for him to throw the football. Um yeah, I mean, he may have already entered that territory. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like 2009 Jake DeLome, to be honest. Like when when Jake's arm finally fell off right after they gave him that big extension and that year where literally he just you could just tell he just didn't have zip on the ball anymore and like he was throwing up these ducks basically that people were just grabbing out of the air and it got to the point where you started to cringe whenever whenever jake would lead the offense out there i love jake delum to death i'm glad he's back with the the franchise doing uh radio and everything else but even he will tell you uh that year was probably the year he kind of probably started thinking about retirement even though he got another contract out of the browns after that if i'm not mistaken but uh it's starting to enter that territory. The main difference here is Sam Darnold's 24. Like, I, I can't figure out what has happened because it's just been a month. A month ago, we were on here raving about Sam Darnold. I was just on here comparing him to Troy Aikman like seven days ago, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and now I feel like an idiot and have to, I'm just have to retract all of that because I can't remember any season, even after Troy lost. A, uh, after Troy lost uh, Michael Irvin and Smith and all those guys, and it was like the end of his Dallas career, I still don't remember him playing like this. Like, this is just really, really, really bad football. And it kind of started um, uh, week four, of course, but really it started week five, uh, that Minnesota game, I think, when 
uh, Robbie Anderson kind of threw a little bit of a tantrum on the sideline that he wouldn't get in the football and that kind of thing. Then it started to feel like the next two weeks that Sam was trying to force the ball to Robbie. And I think that might have thrown off some of the chemistry he had with DJ Moore uh, earlier in the year. Um, it's making him not really look at everything around um, what they have on the field. But the whole comparing him to where he was in New York, I just look at this offensive roster and I just see the names on it. I'm like, he's got way more talent than he ever had in New York, yet he's playing exactly the same. So it's got to be more on Sam, right? Like, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do in the situation? Because when they benched him, I'm thinking, well, hell, if you're going to bench him at this point, there's really not a whole lot to go back to at this point if you're going to bench him. Either he stays out there and takes the whole game, and, I mean, he he truly is going to be your future, or you bench him because internally you're thinking maybe he's not going to be the future, and we've seen enough. And I, I just wonder what David Tepper's thinking about all this right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. We saw David Tepper walking in the hallways uh, after the pre- – or coming to the press conference, and he did not look very happy. I'll, I'll just say that uh, mm. he, he looked like a frustrated man, and rightfully so. But when you when you look at Sam Darnold and you talk about, you know, all of his ups and downs, you know, the, the whole narrative coming from New York to Carolina was he had no help. He had the worst coach in football, yada, yada, yada. I understand that that was the case. I'm not going to take that away because that would be unfair to Sam because that was the situation. But now that we're seeing him – have some of those similar games like he had in New York. Now you, you, you start to question like, okay, is, could it be this coaching staff? Are they, are they not as good as maybe we thought? I don't think that's the case. I think this is a good staff. So then the next thing is maybe the quarterbacks, that's not what we thought he was. And I think that's probably more the direction I'm leaning in because now he's been through two or he's been in two different organizations and has not progressed. Now, again, you could attribute that to the injuries and stuff like that, but he has not shown any signs of progression in my eyes. I mean, in, in when he has shown those progressions, he's, he takes step back. He takes, you know, one step forward, ten steps back, and, and that's not how you're going to be able to win games and, and get yourself to the playoffs. But I thought it was interesting when they did bench him because I kind of felt like, I mean, yes, there was – the games seemingly felt out of hand, but there was still an outside chance that they could potentially come back and win. I mean, I think when they pulled him, it was, what was it? It was still some time, like, yeah, six or seven minutes left in the game, it felt like. Yeah, uh, six or seven minutes. I think it was still a two-score game at that point. I think it was 18 18 to three, I believe. And they bring in P.J. Walker. Matt Rule said it was to spark the offense, and, and I get that, but that's another thing. P.J. Walker, for all those fans every single week, (laughs) put P.J. in, put P.J. He is the most – I mean, the the backup quarterback, we've talked about it before, is always the most popular guy on the team until he gets in the game. Mm -hmm. And and we we were messing around uh, in in the postgame yesterday or last night at the Hornets game talking about that situation. And one guy said, you know, it's funny how all these guys want the backup quarterback to come in and, and, you know, just because, like, the head coach, he's got this perfect quarterback sitting on the bench, and he's just wanting to let, sit him on the bench because he likes the starter better. That's not how this thing works. Like, he sees these guys every day. There's a reason why P.J. Walker's a backup. And if you remember, going back to training camp, I said he shouldn't have even won that, that backup job. 
Right. Well, Greer should have won. Now, does that mean Greer's a good backup quarterback? I don't know. Probably not. But that whole quarterback room right now is a big problem for Carolina because Sam Donald does not look like the answer. We know P.J. Walker is not the answer. So if you trade for Deshaun Watson, I mean, is he going to play? If not, who's going to start? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the elephant in the room. Uh, and that's a great segue because I think we've had enough of talking about the uh, <laughs> the Panthers versus the Giants. I did want to I went back because I, if everyone wants to kind of blame this on the fact that Christian McCaffrey's not there. And there is a little something to that. The last full game McCaffrey played uh, was the Saints game week two. And I'm just looking down the box score for it. In that game, Sam Darnold was 26 for 38 for 305 yards, average eight yards per pass attempt. Uh, two touchdowns. He had an interception, but he had 81.4 quarterback rating. In that game, McCaffrey rushed 24 times for 72 yards. He had one touchdown on the ground. He had five receptions for 65 yards and averaged about 13 yards per catch. Um, DJ Moore went off in that game as well. He had eight catches for 79 yards. But they were spreading the ball around. Uh, seven different receivers caught a football in that game which tells me that Darnold was locked in and looking around on the field. So there, it's almost like it's there, like we've seen it, and I think that's the frustrating part about it. If he had started off like this, then I think it would be easier for a lot of people to swallow. But the fact that we saw him play well the first couple – well, the first three games of the season, uh, and really really the first two games of the season, because really if you think back on that Houston game, once McCaffrey went out, the offense really stalled. Like it really kind of started right there when McCaffrey wasn't available – it was like it forced Darnold to not have that security blanket of McCaffrey. And because of that, I think teams started to hit opposing teams started to hit on his faults. And then he just doubled down. And now he's just making everybody look right about him. Um, so I guess that I guess what I'm saying is yes, no, McCaffrey's part of the problem. But if you're gonna have a guy, a franchise guy like Darnold back there at quarterback, he shouldn't be reliant on having Christian McCaffrey available. Like he should be able to still perform at an average level without McCaffrey. He's not performing at an average level. He's performing at a below average level at this point. And I don't know if it's going to get any better. Somebody mentioned the way he's throwing, he's throwing flat, uh, flat foot that maybe he's hiding a leg injury. Uh, and there was, there was a point in the game where he got tackled awkwardly in the backfield and look, he was favoring his leg. Did you see anything or hear anything on any reports about him being injured at all? No, I didn't, I, and I, I must have completely missed that play because someone else had, had asked about it um, through Twitter, I believe, and I, I never saw it, so I'm not – I mean, gonna... they didn't they didn't linger on it very long on television. I think it was a sack or something, uh, and he just kind of was – it looked like he was favoring his leg, and the way he's throwing the football, uh, it looks like possibly he's favoring something. But, again – he shouldn't be worried. Like, like you just laid out, the quarterback room is a complete hot mess <laughs> in yeah. Carolina. Like he, he didn't worry about anybody behind him. Um, let's let's go into the, the this whole elephant in the room thing, which is the Deshaun Watson, uh, Watson situation. What's the latest that you have heard uh, about this? I know Joe Person's been reporting on this as well from The Athletic. Um, what have you been hearing regarding this? Do you, First of all, do you think that it's within the realm of possibility that Watson becomes a Carolina Panther uh, sometime this week because the trade deadline is actually November the 2nd, which is uh, next Tuesday. So if something's going to go down, it's going to go down in the next seven days. Yeah, it's it's certainly possible. Um, I, I, the biggest thing, I think, for Scott Fetter, and I laid this out in my Monday morning thoughts column, 
is he's got to weigh the risk, the risk and reward because we all know the off the field situation that has not gotten solved. There's still 22 accusations out against him. And as of right now, he's not on the NFL exempt list, meaning that he cannot play. The assumption is if he does get traded, the NFL may step in and then place him on the exempt list. But that's but that was the assumption about a couple of weeks ago. Now it seems like everyone's saying if he does get traded, he will be able to play and that he ha- has been training and everything else. So he is ready. The big question also is when you make a trade like this in the middle of the season, it's different if it's, you know, bringing in CJ Henderson or Stephon Gilmore because they're not running the show. You know what I mean? Hmm. When when it's Deshaun Watson or it's you know any quarterback, that is a lot for a, a new quarterback to handle. I don't care how good he is to come in and just try and learn that entire playbook before they take the field. And, you know, say, say they get, say they trade, trade for him today, for example, he's not going to probably start on Sunday. There's right. no, I mean, th- for him to go in there, learn the entire playbook in three or four days, that seems like a very tough ask. It would almost have to be like next week when they come back home and play new England. But I do think it is a possibility. And I think you're going to see some sort of, pressure from from David Tepper, the owner, because he's aggressive. He, he's tired of losing. He has not had a winning season since he has taken over as the owner. He wants this team to win and win now. The only thing that I say about this is you can't force something to happen if it's not meant to be. So don't, don't make these wholesale changes. Don't go out and, and trade for Deshaun Watson if trading for Deshaun Watson only makes you an eight or nine win team. That's that's not going to do it. And I get people say, yeah, but it's for the future. But you're also going to have to risk the future in, in terms of draft picks and and maybe even some of the younger guys on your roster to even get Watson. So there's got to be a little bit of, you know, again, you got to be able to weigh the risk and reward. To me, I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable giving up three first round picks, knowing that they've already traded their second, third and fourth round picks. That means you wouldn't have a fir- uh, your first pick until I believe they do have another fourth round pick, so they wouldn't trade. They wouldn't pick until the fourth round unless they moved moved around. And knowing and knowing Federer, he probably will. But that's a lot of draft capital you're going to give up for a guy that you don't even know if he can play right away, and if he does, how good is he going to be considering you know the situation? Yeah, I agree with a lot all, a lot of that. Um, I will say with the draft stuff, though, the more I started thinking about it, and I, this is why I'm glad we had the extra day, uh, I, I almost don't mind if they do give up a first this this year because of what they've done the past two years on defense in terms of all these first and second round picks on defense. Those are going to come around for contracts soon, and the more you keep stacking first round picks like that, it's going to be hard to kind of keep some of your talent. They need things like offensive line, but you can get that later in the, in the draft of, with a good, you know, scouting department or whatnot or, or free agency. They don't necessarily have to spend it on first rounders uh, to fix the offensive line. Everything else in terms of secondary is probably the deepest unit they have now all of a sudden. Uh, defensive line seems fairly deep. The linebacking core probably needs some backup. Uh, everything seems run, wide receiver other than the quarterback. The offensive line is the one area of concern uh, group-wise on this team. And I think you can get away with not having a first-round pick for a year or so if it means bringing in a talent like uh, Deshaun Watson. Now, having said that, I agree. I don't want to give up three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson and not know when he's going to be available for me to play him. 
Um, I posted this question on Twitter, I think Sunday night in my anger. Would you, <laughs> would you entertain this trade? Two first rounders, Shaq Thompson and Dante Jackson for Deshaun Watson. I don't, I don't know that I could. Now keep um, in mind, Dante's in a contract year, so we might lose him for nothing anyway. And right. I think Shaq is at the end of that extension that he got a couple of years ago, or he's about it. He's got like another year left on it, I think. So I tried to pick two defensive players that are uh, either at the end of their contracts or near the end of their contracts and skewing a little older than some of the younger talent that they put on defense. But it seems like Houston wants two two starters to go along with what they're asking for. Yeah, I think before the season, I would have said I'd be okay with the with parting with Dante Jackson just because he's. He didn't really fully live up to the expectations in his first three years, and he's had some injuries and stuff. But this season, he is almost, you know, he's been their best corner, yeah. um, without a doubt. Past game, he, he's done really well in coverage, and he's done really well coming up and run support. I mean, he he would be hard for me to move on because I actually think he's going to be the number one corner on this team, even when Stephon Gilmore comes back. Now, I'm not saying that he's a better talent than Gilmore, but you gotta you gotta think it's gonna probably take Stefan a little bit of time before he's fully back up to speed. I mean, he hasn't played a football game in a long, long time. So Dante Jackson is still probably your number one guy post November second, which is the trading deadline. So I don't know if I'd be comfortable giving up him. I don't think I'd be comfortable giving up Shaq just because if you look at what the defense has been like since he's left, it's been a mess. Like yeah. it, they have not looked the same at all. And the way he played early in the year, it he was on pace, and we talked about it last week, that he was on pace for his best season ever. Like, he has just been playing with his hair on fire. He is playing with confidence. He is the leader of that defense. I don't know that I would make that trade, but I I, I did I, – I put out something on Twitter as well, and I, I don't think that Houston would accept this, but it would be more something that I would be willing to give up, and that would be you trade Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson – two first-round picks, and let's say maybe a, a third or fourth-round pick. I don't think Houston would take that, <laughs> but – I would do that, yeah. I, I didn't even have to think very hard about it. I was like, yeah, I'd do that. Because uh, you're, you're going to have a glut at wide receiver. Like, I'd rather – I think I'd rather hold on to Terrence Marshall at, at his rookie contract than to continue to pay Robbie the bag we just gave him for, for this kind of uh, output that he's had. Eh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's definitely tough because I think, you know, Houston would look at that and probably say, well, you know, you, you're not really sold on Sam Darnold. So, I mean, to me, I think – I almost think Sam has to be in the in, in the trade because you're not going to pay two quarterbacks that, that much money. I mean, yeah. it would just be s- simple. So, Houston, for in, in, in my opinion, they're going to have to be interested in Sam Darnold to some degree. Whether they think he's the long-term answer or not, maybe the Panthers have to play, pay a, a larger portion of their salary to make the deal happen. I think you have to trade Sam Darnold to Houston in that deal for Watson. You're going to have to trade another uh, star player or well, a star player, which I think could be Robbie Anderson because, again, he hasn't lived up to the expectations but then is Houston going to look at that situation and be like, well, they haven't connected, so how how are they going to connect here? So, I mean, it, there's so yeah. many, you know, revolving pieces around this, but it seems like it's going to take maybe three first-round picks and a player or two to get this deal done. 
I mean, whoever that player would be, it's going to probably end up being somebody that we don't want to get rid of. So it really comes down to how much do we want Deshaun Watson? Um, well, well, let's put it this way. You have to have untouchables in, in, in this trade. So the guys that you absolutely do not want to involve in this deal to me are going to be Brian Burns. Uh, I guess you could maybe say Christian McCaffrey. Some yeah. people could argue yeah. that. Maybe, maybe this could be an opportunity to move him. Um, but I would say him and then Jeremy Chen and DJ Moore. Those are the four guys I would not trade at all. Or actually, and, and throwing t- Taylor Moon. So those five. Yeah, I, I would not trade McCaffrey. I know I see a lot of people going, oh, he's injury prone now. You know what that means, blah, blah, blah. I Honestly, I the hamstring thing, I think they're just being super precautious with it because uh, hammies are funny. Like they kind of linger if you come back too fast, especially for somebody like McCaffrey. You don't want to risk him, you know, tearing something or, or making something much worse. And it feels like the IR move was just a precautionary. Let's just, you know, let him sit an extra couple of weeks and get ready for the second half of the season type of thing. I, when healthy, he's still, to me, a top three player in the league, period. Like, you, to me, you could almost trade McCaffrey for Watson straight up, and, and both teams should be satisfied with the, with the deal. But uh, he would be one for sure. I agree with Chen. I agree with Burns. Uh, I agree with Moore. Uh, Moore, should, Moore is our number one receiver, and he should be. And I think – a combo of Moore and Terrence Marshall would be great going forward in the future. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I think he was the beneficiary beneficiary of a lot of targets from Teddy Bridgewater last year uh, during that stretch where Teddy was just refusing to go down the field with the football and was basically just throwing 10 and 15 yard outs. And that was pretty much it. Robbie was catching a lot of those. So was DJ Moore. Um, and now he's with a quarterback that's trying to go down the field deeper but can't see the field the same way as Teddy, which is, it sounds odd to say, but we're seeing it happening right in front of us. Um, I, I do feel like we, I think that, I think Deshaun Watson's going to be a Panther by the end of the week. Uh, oh, okay. We got yeah. a prediction here. Yeah, I, I really do. I think, I, I think I put it up on Twitter. I, I feel really strong about this because I, I feel like he was the original plan A to begin with. Like he was who they originally wanted to, have to go after before all the allegations came out. Uh, when they decided at the end of last year they were going to move on from Teddy Bridgewater and and the, the Sean Watson stuff started coming out that he wanted to be traded, which was, I think was right after the Super Bowl or right around it, I think the plan started right then and there to get to Sean Watson. And I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we found out they were already talking about it a little bit until uh, the allegations started coming out and then they, everything cooled down. But with it, they're all civil allegations, civil cases, and none of that's going to go to court till February, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I keep seeing people, you know, saying things like, well, be, be, be leery of the blowback and what the fans will think. And you're supposed to be changing the franchise, you know, morals and things of that sort. So bringing in Sean Watson would change that. I don't think it does. Uh, and to be honest, gauging the fan base. Feels like about seventy percent of the fan base wants Deshaun Watson here. Like they would rather have Deshaun Watson than Sam Darnold, even with the baggage, which tells you how far Sam Darnold has fallen uh, in just four weeks, uh, which which is wild. Um, but I do think he's going to be a Panther by the end of this week. Uh, I don't know what they'll give up for him. The one thing I do know, the one thing that I have seen, is that David Tepper does not seem like the type of owner or person, for that matter to sit around and wait for things to change. He just doesn't feel like that at all to me. Uh, the, the the front office of the Panthers is the only unit of this team that I actually trust right now in terms of being aggressive. Uh, everything else on the field, I don't trust at all. But I do trust Scott Fitter, and I do trust David Tepper 
And to an extent, I guess I trust Matt Rule, but actually let's start, let's stop right there at Matt Rule because I've been meaning to ask you this about Rule because I've never been hundred percent sold on him. Are you? Because I'm starting to see people wonder if this hire was the correct hire and they're starting to make some coaching errors and things and mistakes personnel wise that eventually he's going to run out of road. Uh, this is going to be the second quarterback now in a row that they've chosen over Cam Newton that failed spectacularly. Uh, what are your thoughts on Matt rule as it stands today? I'm probably in the small in the minority here, but I think Matt rule is the guy. I really truly do. If, if there is a guy that's going to bring a Super Bowl to Carolina. I own it, and I'll go. I'll go as far as saying this: If there's a, someone that's going to bring a Super Bowl to Carolina, it's going to be Matt Rule. He has had success everywhere he has been. He get he knows how to get players to buy in, into their vision and and their culture. He is a player's guy, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to results. You know, you can be a good dude, a nice dude, but if you're not winning football games, your your job is going to be on the line, as it should be. But I just don't think you can place a whole lot of blame on Matt Rule because you look at the 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 roster that he inherited. I mean, it was it was a, it was a mess. I mean, when he first came in, they per- completely overturned that whole roster from old guys to young guys. This is still everyone forgets this is the youngest team in the NFL. It's not like this is an experienced team that's sitting at three and four, kind of stuck in the mud, and maybe Matt Rule is not the answer. They're still in year two of a rebuild. This is only – he's a year and a half into the job. There's a reason why he got that long deal because he knew rightfully that it was going to it was gonna take some time. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take time until you find the guy at quarterback. I don't know how involved Matt Rule is in making the decisions on, you know, trades and stuff like that. I know he has some input, but at the end of the day, it's going to come down to – you know, Marty Herney's decision when he was here and now Scott Fitterer, I don't know if you can place the blame on him for the failure of Teddy Bridgewater, the failure of Sam Darnold. Yes, it's his job to coach those guys up, but they still have a lot of issues right now. And he even said it yesterday that he doesn't believe that any one move is going to completely fix everything that's going on right now. And I and I 100% believe in that. I don't think you're going to be, you know, trading for Deshaun Watson isn't going to fix the offensive line issues. It's not going to fix Robbie Anderson dropping passes. It's not going to fix the absence of Christian McCaffrey. It's not going to fix the the lackluster play of the linebacking core with Shaq Thompson now. You know what I mean? Like those yeah. are the things that that have to get better. They have to be more physical up front at the, on the defensive line. So that's that's why I say you have to be wary of you know what it's going to take to get Watson because you have to build your team through the draft. You have to build depth. Half the teams in the league don't have good depth, but the half that do are in the mix for the playoffs. So you have to be able to, to build on both sides of the ball. We've seen the, the Panthers really focus on the defensive side in the first year and a half or so of this of this regime. Now they need to put that focus on the offense, which I think they will. But again, I I I, I really do think Matt Rule is the right coach. There's no reason to sit here and and say that he's not the guy when he doesn't have the toys to play with. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's no, 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 yeah, I totally – he hasn't had – the two years he's been uh, head coach of the Panthers, I think he's had Christian McCaffrey a total of, what, five games, four and a half yeah. games, something like that. So exactly. uh, that could probably uh, be, you know, put into that evaluation for sure. Um, 
I, I was just checking the injury reports here and what Coach Rule said on Monday. Uh, hopeful that Shaq Thompson will be back uh, this Sunday versus the Falcons. Cornerback Stephon Gilmore might make his debut. Safety Justin Burris could return to the lineup this week as well. If those three are able to play, that would be a considerable boost, cons- uh, especially Thompson, because you're absolutely right. With Thompson out there, they look like a top defense in the league. Like th- those, that three-game stretch, I don't care who they were playing. They just The way they were playing with Thompson out there, it looked like they could play against anybody and hold them to like 13, 14 points. They don't look like that without him. Uh, in actuality, the past two weeks in particular, defenses played great first three quarters, but they're out there so long because the offense can't do anything. You could just see it on the field by the fourth quarter. They're just tired. They're gassed. And that's usually where these points have been coming from, from the opposing team the past two weeks. It's been late in the game. So the final outcome, 25 to three was the final versus the Giants, but it wasn't that way for the majority of the game. It just kind of got to that point by the end of it, but it felt like a million to three. You know, in terms of uh, the 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 inadequacy of uh, the offense for Carolina not being able to really do anything. Uh, let's preview real quick the Atlanta Falcons, who are three and three uh, overall, one and two at home themselves. Uh, this game is in Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like I just mentioned uh, with the injury report, Cam Irving was actually listed as questionable. Terrence Marshall Jr. is listed as questionable as well. Uh, which is which is all good um, for the Falcons. Dante Fowler Jr. is on injured reserve. Uh, they're missing two cornerbacks, AJ Terrell and Avery Williams. They're both questionable, and Eric Harris, their safety. So they got a banged up secondary. Which normally we would think, hey, great for Sam Darnold. He'll, he'll be able to pick on the <laughs> secondary and you know get some of his groove back. But this actually frightens me because it makes me feel like Joe Brady's going to try to attack the secondary with the. Basically, he's trying to attack the secondary with a uh, with a broken water pistol is the way I kind of feel like it's just going to spray wherever. And but they're willing to take that risk. And you can't bench him again, can you? Like you can't put him back out there again. He stinks up the the uh, the the Atlanta Dome or whatever it's called now and go back to P.J. Because P.J. ain't it either. He was knuckleballing throws versus the Giants in the fourth quarter. So. Uh, and they've kind of put themselves at a dead end spot when it comes to what to do. The only person that can change anything is Sam Darnold. And I don't know if he can, like, do you think he can turn this around? I don't, I really don't know. It's a great (laughs) question. And I will say this, let's just, you know, not to go too far back, but if you, if you remember last off season or this past off season, the Panthers were in the mix for Matthew Stafford. Right. I believe they had, uh, Teddy Bridgewater in that trade, I believe, and a couple of picks. Yeah, I think they had a better a better at haul than what the Rams ended up giving them. But yeah. Stafford wanted to go to L.A., correct? So yeah, and, and remember that the, the how much that they they got in that trade for Stafford. So I, I mean, they had to give up a, a, quite a lot of picks. But again, if Carolina was in that mix, maybe that's already a telling sign that they're okay with sending those picks out. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to Sam Darnold, you, you traded a second, a fourth, and a sixth-round pick to get him. So you gave up three picks. Now, not even a full year later, you may be moving on from him and having to dish out three more picks at minimum to get Deshaun Watson. So essentially you had to give up six picks to get your guy. Yes. At the end of the day, picks are picks. It, it, it hurts to move on from them. But you have got to get the quarterback position right. If you don't get that right, you're not going to have a chance. I mean, that's just the brutal, honest truth. So, 
I don't think Sam Darnold is the guy right now, but if you would have asked me three weeks ago, I said, yeah, I, th- I think he is. I think it's just kind of a, a week-by-week thing. And if they if they go get Watson, I think that that could, uh, that could be the answer. But I don't know. It, it's so hard to tell. I think for Sam Darnold right now, He's got to block out everything out because he's got to he he has to know all the pressure that's on him right now. He has to understand or hear the rumors of the Deshaun Watson stuff. He's got to block that out. Oh, yeah. And if he gets to Sunday, make your statement because that's that's your opportunity be, before uh, before the trading deadline because the game's on Halloween. So you, you that this this could be Sam Darnold's last you know go round for the Panthers if unless he you know says hey look. I'm going to turn this thing around, like you said. If he shows that on Sunday, maybe the, the Panthers back off and and just let it play out. The the Falcons sneakily sneakily have uh, won three of their past four games. Uh, Granted, against the Giants, the Jets, and the Dolphins, uh, but I don't think we're in any position to to look at any <laughs> other team and say oh, that team's not very good right now. Um, <laughs> one one quick question before we get out of here. I've seen it floating around. I put it up myself because of the play of uh, Sam Darnold. He literally has made me jump back on the mm, maybe we should call Cam Newton train. What, what's your thoughts about that? And is that even a possibility? Do you, I'm so, has anyone even asked that question to the coaches? Because that would be an interesting question with him still out. Uh, he's 32. He's had he's gotten his vaccination shot. So he's been vaccinated. And I'm, I'm hearing him being attached to the Cleveland Browns right now. Uh, is there any possibility in your mind that this team would even entertain the thought of bringing Cameron Newton back into Bank of America Stadium? I mean, there could be, but I, I just don't see it happening because he, I, I guess the way I look at it is if if you decide to not go after Watson, you keep Darnold. Bringing in Cam Newton is only going to add to the pressure on on Sam Darnold. And yes, it, it, it could help and. In, in certain aspects where you have certain packages for Cam and it would make that room a hell of a lot stronger. But you also got to think, too, Sam's already struggling in terms of you know, overcoming adversity and, and facing pressure. You know, he's already got benched for P.J. Walker. So if Cam Newton's on the sideline, the moment he starts to, you know, kind of reel a little bit, he's going to be looking over his shoulder. I don't think you want to do that. And again, if you bring in Watson, there's no need to really go get Cam Newton. So I just I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I just don't think that you want that to happen with with Sam Darnold because he's already shown that he's a little vulnerable in those types of situations. I think I think the main problem is that a lot of the people that are echoing that, including myself, kind of forget how Cam left. Uh, Cam was not very pleased um, on his exit here. Mainly because Matt Rule basically said uh, that you know Cam Newton's our quarterback, and then less than a month later, he was cut. And the way he was cut, he was cut in a part of the season where uh, free agency had already been going on for a while. So a lot of teams had already addressed their 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 openings of that position. So it left him with very slim pickings of where to go. Uh, and they could have just did it a month prior, but they didn't. It, they kind of boggled it a little bit. And I'm not sure if Cam has hard feelings towards Matt Rule. And uh, well, it wasn't Scott Fitter. It was it was Marty Herney when uh, when all that went down, um, or David Tepper. I don't think he does towards Tepper at least. I don't know how he feels towards Rule because he never actually played for him, um, and in fact, never really practiced for him at that point because um, he was still mending from uh, off season surgery. So I don't even think he ever got a chance to even put a uniform on uh, for Matt Rule. 
Uh, don't know. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's something to keep an eye on too. Uh, especially if Donald goes out and stinks up on Sunday, like I don't know how he could play any worse than he did Sunday, but we said that last week. So <laughs> I guess there's always a possibility, but if he goes out and stinks it up again on Sunday, Oh boy. I don't even know what the reaction would be um, here in the area. I think we're all kind of expecting it, which is the yeah. sad part. I think we're all kind of expecting him to have a bad game and that's where he's gone in a month. Uh, I'll say, go, go for it. I'll say this. Like I said uh, a few minutes ago with, with this game, this game means a lot for Sam Darnold in, in his future, because if he goes out and just looks like he did the last two weeks, there will be no doubt in my mind that Scott Federer will try to do everything he can to, to pull off some type of trade for Deshaun Watson. I mean, why would you not at that point? Yeah, I think I, they, he would have a green light to just you, go it, get it done. Yeah, get it done. Give up the picks. I know it hurts in the, in, right now, but you, you want to get that quarterback position right. Deshaun Watson would be able to right those wrongs at that position. Um Again, you just got to worry about the off-the-field stuff. And I, and I think Scott Fitter knows that. He's going to do his due diligence. He's going to know exactly what the, the case the, the situation is going to be if he does trade for him. He's not going to just do it blindly and then figure it out later. He's going to get an answer from the NFL before he were to make any type of move. And if, if Sam wants to continue to, to lead this team, he's got to prove it this Sunday. If not, we could see a deal happen Sunday night, Monday. It, it's going to happen quick. I think, and I and I don't think this deal or any deal for Deshaun Watson is going to happen uh, prior till Sunday. I think Miami, who is also involved, they want to see another look for Tua. Uh, I, I just think they want to wait as long as possible before getting that that trade pulled off. Something's going to happen for Deshaun Watson. I just don't know where it's going to be, but I think it won't happen till maybe Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. So they they've got until next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Uh, to make something happen. If Carolina's going to step in and do anything, I'd imagine they're they're on the phone right now trying to figure out what they need to do uh, to make this go down. But we'll keep an eye on it. It's been an interesting season. I'm I'm just I just, just want to be entertained. <laughs> that's all I really wanted this year. I just want to be entertained, and I feel like that's been taken away from me the past two weeks uh, where I'm not entertained, and I feel like. It kind of we, me and Tyrone Poole, uh, the, the co-host of this podcast last season, we got to this point around about this time last year where we both were like, it's kind of turning into a chore to watch the Panthers on Sunday, <laughs> where it's like you you kind of like your mind starts to wander and you're like, oh man, it's nice outside. Maybe I should go outside and do something or wash the dishes or, or something else with my time because they feel like they're wasting my time, and that's this that last game Sunday. That was where I got to that point again. I'm like, man, this feels really familiar. Oh wait, I felt like this last year. <laughs> like this is literally how I felt last year trying to watch this football game. So I'm hoping that uh, something gives this week uh, in the Panthers' locker room, whether it's Darnold just deciding he's had enough or or something. But I, I don't know. I don't know if it's fixable or not. Um, but I, I don't want them to sit on it and not recognize it for the rest of the year. And it doesn't sound like that they are. So we'll see. Panthers Falcons 1 p.m. on Sunday on Fox. Uh, Falcons actually coming in playing pretty well uh, after a slow start. Panthers, not so much. So something's got to give. We'll see what happens then. Uh, you can listen to previous episodes of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network on uh, any major podcast outlet, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, for Skylar Callahan, I am Desmond Johnson. You've been listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Keep pounding, and we will check in with you next week.
These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.